Hello and welcome back to the big room. I'm currently on holiday for Christmas. It's Christmas Eve and you join me at Whitstable where we have come for a couple of days. So I didn't come with a lot of my gear. So I'm recording the podcast intro on the fly on the beach here at Whitstable. I don't know whether you can hear the seagulls picking at the uh, empty oyster shells. Today's guest is an ultra runner and a coach and is often found on social media sometimes calling out some of the nonsense that some influencers might posit and that's what drew me to him. He's a very talented ultra runner and he's currently training for the Seville Marathon like myself so I was very interested to see what advice an ultra runner can bring to the marathon at distance. Ladies and gentlemen I'm delighted to welcome Gary House. So, Gary, thank you so much for coming on the big run, so close to Christmas, but I realise as well you're, you're training at the moment, you're doing the Seville Marathon, right? How How's all that training going? Not too bad, thank you. Um, it's only, I've, I'm a mountain trail runner, so uh, it takes takes a little bit more discipline for me to, to train for a marathon, so I've only done a handful in the past, but and <laughs> that's why it's Seville, you won't get me catch well you won't catch me doing a uk one yet really okay because well i I'm, I'm coming at this from a slightly selfish perspective because i'm also doing seville in february so what what was it that made you pick seville what is it about seville that you thought okay i'm gonna i'm gonna go for this marathon as opposed to a uk one mainly because because like i say like the, the stuff that i'm good at is the trail and mountains but I know how valuable a good training block a marathon can be like, mm. living where i do the training isn't kind of built for that so I would I have to drive 20 minutes to get anywhere flat and like this through the winter it can be snow wind rain all that kind of stuff but I don't mind any of that as long as I can guarantee like I will have good conditions on the day for the marathon mm. then I can kind of sell it to myself plus um yeah it's competitive where I'll be at at my kind of time really competitive there which will help uh, it's a bit of a built-up city, so probably takes out some of the wind and just the temperature as well. Be a constant, hopefully. Yeah. What are you? What's what are you aiming for? Is there is there a time in mind? Um. Well, or do you I, not want to say it out loud? Say no, I can't <laughs> say no because like the PB from the last one I did was Barcelona, and I think it was three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that was two forty-four. Lovely. Uh, so yeah, but. It's easy to say, right, I'll stick on some carbon shoes, do the training and get a PB, which Mm. technically I probably should. But at the same time, I haven't done any. I quickly realized when I went into marathon training that I hadn't done any kind of specific work for that. So I was playing playing catch up from the from the good good from the start really yeah are there things that you take as like a mountain runner and as an ultra runner into a marathon training block that gives you a, a bit of an advantage are there kind of learnings from that discipline that you can bring over to marathon sometimes i think i i i think again being kind of the better you get get at either of those i think the further detached you become from it Mm. Like you can talk about the mindset and things like that maybe but like it's going to be over with in less than three hours whereas like some of my training runs for the mountains that would be not even halfway through the day maybe so mm. it's not that that, hurt, that kind of stop you sometimes it's just being more aware of pace and distance rather than like all my other training is time and effort but um I think what it can help you with is just as a trail and mountain runner, I feel quite strong. So I don't feel really open to injury straight away when I go into marathon training, which like me personally, if I'm coaching people, that's my biggest worry, having a block of 12 weeks or sometimes they'll give you even less. And mm. if you spend a quarter of that injured, it's it's pretty tough. Mm. And what's that like being you know you're you're a coach as well you have a, a successful coaching company and we'll definitely get on to that but like what's that like when you're you, do you coach yourself are you self-coached or do you work with a coach as well I've worked I did work with a coach for six years Martin Cox mm-hmm. um coaches people like Beth Pascal and other people much more kind of skillful than me in the mountains but um last summer I've just I've been self-coaching since last summer only for the reason that kind of I just wanted a bit more freedom in my running when 
things opened up after the last set of lockdowns. Mm. Um, yeah, and I wanted to have a crack at this marathon self-coached, really. And yeah. what's that? What's that relationship like between you and you as a coach? Like, are you are you practicing what you preach? Like, are you? Is is? I'm just interested in what that sort of dialogue is with with yourself as as a coach when you're also coaching. You know, how many how yeah. many athletes do you have in your kind of stable, as it were? How many people do you look after? Yeah, so there's there's varying kind of degrees of you'd call it accountability, I guess. There's, mm. there's around a hundred in total, wow. ranging from kind of. Uh, yeah, just different different levels of my time, I guess. I don't I don't coach too many in the traditional sense where it would be one to one phone calls all the time. It's more of a, a everyone's got their individual plans. No two plan is the same, but yeah, it's it's quite wide ranging how I look after them. Mm. And I think and the kind of the ability is is wide ranging as well. And we've got marathon runners. We've got one guy, Jason, who's like going for a sub 220 marathon up to people just running their first 5k that kind of thing so a real kind of spread of ability there that you're kind of looking after yeah because i have a background in coaching face to face and larger groups beginners and then trail and ultra runners and then i never really set out or wanted to be an online coach it's just how it how it worked out really well touching on your background let's roll back a little bit then so when did your when did your kind of running journey begin sort of and, and how has it evolved to where you are now as a coach and as a, as a mountain runner like what's that story been yeah it was typical story of I did cross country at kind of high school mm. because I was average at football but we had a really good football team so there was lots of good players about so I got carried by them so it was football 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 um, when it came to cross country, none of those lads were interested. So I quickly realised if I try a little bit, I will get a day off school to go to this cross country <laughs> meet. Yeah, that's kind of it. And like, and then I always love yeah. the logic of a child. I love that. It's like if I do yeah. the work, then I might score a day off. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like I wasn't. I love my sport, but I was, I was okay at football. Um, but just because they were pretty good, we went on football trips and won cups and stuff. That was brilliant. But, um, yeah, the kind of, it was like low-hanging fruit to be okay in this cross-country team. And it was only a smallish school. Uh, and then it kind of never really crossed my mind. that I went to one athletics meet mm. and there was no one to run the 3,000 metres. And, and they shoved me in that and I finished third. But it, and I kind of tell that story, but I finished third out of four people. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think anyone wanted to do it. And it was the last event of the day. But I do remember thinking, like, well, I'm a, I'm not too bad at the 3,000. I used to enter the 400 because that's what, you know, like the, the cooler lads did. Right. And, I was, and I was rubbish. So I didn't have that natural speed at that level. But I could uh, do all right at the 3,000. Then football really took over, I'd say, until... Uh, very early 20s so I didn't run at all apart unless it was a football pitch really mm. and I would play um like two or three training sessions a week play Saturday league and Sunday league and they were both pretty competitive until I hit about 2021 20, and then um yeah I moved from my little village in North Wales to Manchester and so landing in Manchester it was this was for work. Didn't know any. I was really sociable when I had a good group of lads, like out all the time, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Went from that to moving to Manchester. Didn't know anyone. Didn't have a football team. Didn't have any money either, so I couldn't really join a gym to keep fit, even though I'd never been in a gym before. So I just started running down the canal network, and oh, yeah. it was and it was long enough now to be. I would literally look at the clock. On, the, on when I left and then look at the clock when I came back in to see how long I'd been but and that was kind of my that was your GPS that was your like your Garmin yeah like I'm like I'm I've just turned 38 and I'm talking when I was 21 so I count myself lucky that there was no social media really there was no um GPS watches I would go out with an old like um I don't even know if it was an iPod maybe it was an iPod but yeah and that was that was kind of it in my in my Sunday league kit, Nike Air Max. Love it. I would just run down the canal, but like all I was doing is 
trying to keep fit, but I didn't know anybody. So I didn't want to be in the shared house too long because I was avoiding them. And the running bit just meant that it went from 20 minutes to half an hour to an hour. And then it was hours sometimes down this canal. So that was, I was kind of training long and slower distances from the start. Right. Didn't know what I was doing. But I think I probably built up to to an okay volume quite quick. P- and, purely because you just didn't yeah. want to hang out in that in that shared house. We've had another guest on the show that her kind of ultra running journey came out of like a particularly sort of sticky relationship where they were in a flat share and it was basically she just needed excuses to get out of the house and and, and they yeah. got longer and longer and longer like I'm old enough now and you, you look back don't you and then you realize what you were doing but mm. I didn't realize it at the time I was just thinking right I'm gonna I'm gonna start running but like it was a mixed house um mixed age groups I wasn't used to that kind of environment so yeah I was just taking myself out of it and mm. like I said I was literally I could, I would work all week, pay the rent, and I had probably had enough money for some beans on toast for the first six months. So I had zero money. Um, yeah, but it was not a bad thing. And kind of up to a year had gone past. And again, I've not had, still just using the clock, but I did. I met a girl at a party, my friend's party. And the short kind of story is, like we hit it off, but I was in Manchester. She's at Birmingham, sorry, at Leicester Uni. Mm-hmm. So, so I entered the Leicester half marathon <laughs> because I'd seen her twice. And then I thought, right, well, if I enter the Leicester half marathon, <laughs> I'm going to have to stay at her house. <laughs> which, I mean, you've got to, I mean, you know, you don't want the, the, the additional stress of having to travel on race day. I mean, it makes complete <laughs> sense. No, it's a bit creepy when you think about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can offset all the creepiness by like we're like we're married with two kids so we, it was we running performance it was just I, I was doing it to impress her oh, yeah she, I don't think she could have been less impressed I could hardly walk back to the bus stop all that kind of normal stuff. oh yeah how was it I was gonna say how was the first half marathon what was that like yeah it was I mean, I'm sure you've done it. Or like back then, again, I'm, I'm speaking like it was decades ago. It's not, but yes, like what, 15 plus years ago at least. It was, it was just me, a load of old guys from the from different clubs, and again, I still hadn't upgraded from like a Nike Air Max with a popped bu- bubble. <sighs> yeah, I just ran, and you did then, didn't I? I didn't have a watch, and I remember coming round the back, kind of it was like a playing field for, uh, as a finish line and there was one guy he must have been late 60s mm. and I've never tried to sprint so hard to pe- beat this poor guy who was just <laughs> just jogging <laughs> over the finish line and I was desperate to finish ahead of him and I had a did you think like, she was watching did you think your now future wife was watching the finish as well was that part of it or did you just want to smoke this 60 year old on the finish no, line no I just wanted to I just wanted to beat the 60 year old yeah I mean I wish well I don't wish but it would have been interesting to see my splits that day because yeah I think I was probably in the top 10 for the first mile and then <laughs> that, that was about it and then you blow up and, and then you learn don't you you either mm. learn or you don't do it again <laughs> it's it's funny here you talk about like that that period of time and you know like you say you're only talking about 15 years but it's mm. so like looking back at running like it feels like it has progressed like enormously whereas when you talk about a race 15 years ago and your experience of running and like the lack of technology and social media and stuff it does feel like running even 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 recently maybe within the last five years particularly in the last two years with with yeah. covid and lockdown and all that it feels like it's jumped forward enormously and changed arguably for better also arguably for for worse like have have you witnessed that that sort of change have have there been things like as running has has evolved that have kind of surprised you or kind of made you sort of think like yeah god it was a bit different than when I was rocking those air max with the sort of burst bubble yeah I I mean like you say it it kind it it is different but it it doesn't have to be different as well Mm. yeah I, I try like that's what I always come back to and it was it was probably only a couple of years ago, like before before the lockdowns. I remember being at the National Running Show and I was lucky enough to be doing a talk there. And what I realised is the majority of the people listening to me had started running 
after social media had started. Mm. And that's kind of what my talk was was loosely based on. And it was sometimes I have to, I have to remind myself that people are coming into this into running now, and if they haven't already got a good relationship with social media, it can maybe make it worse, or it can be brilliant because of stuff like Strava and things like this. And it's it's just knowing that it's it's different, but the data is only there if you go out and look for it. Social media is only there if you go out and look for it. All these different pressures are only there if you kind of let it. There's still, like I still coach people now that they've been with me two years and don't race. They don't, they don't use the watch data. They wear it, that kind of thing. But mm. so it's like I have a really good relationship with, say, social media and stuff. But it's just remembering that people are coming from a. They just have different experiences now. I mm. had to, like, I went through the stage of. Go, like as a tr- looking to be an ultra runner, you'd have to go into all kind of weird forums, <laughs> the old guys on the internet, <laughs> like the dark you, web, to sort of find exactly, where the races were. Like running dark web back then, and then you'd kind of send your money off, or I can't, yeah, like send an application form off, and then meet in a field and just hope that there's a race on. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> so now everyone it just. It's just different, isn't it? Yeah, you get your sort of e-ticket. You'd have your cancellation insurance and your booking reference number. It's a lot. It's a lot more sort of streamlined now. But I kind of, I kind of love that kind of old school feel of it. I love when we talk like you know, like Las Lake and the Barclay and all that kind of stuff. The kind of like ramshackle kind of you rock up with a gift and a license plate. Like it's so ran. Like I, I kind of like that sort of that sort of old school kind of cobbled together feel. It's interesting you touched on touched on social media then and like that's one one of the things that kind of drew my attention to to you was kind of a lot of your output on social media and I feel like it's a fair thing to say that you're 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 quite happy to sort of skewer social media parody sort of some people you sort of see on Instagram like does that feel like a fair estimation and it's it's quite refreshing as well like you feel like you're poking a bit of fun at some of the uh, advice I'll put that in uh, air quotes that you see on on social media a lot yeah, I mean, I I quite happily say like I'm quite I can be quite polarizing, but it's probably because like I've been a wind up merchant since I was in high school. Yeah, right. so <laughs> that's just that is there is there is good behind it, but at the same time, if I might not agree with something, or I can fairly say that it's basically wrong advice or something, I'll happily. Yeah, poke, poke, poke the bear or poke fun at it, really, because I'm not really, I don't really go in for any of this. If you put stuff out there for the public and 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 give it out as advice, then yeah, I think I think it's kind of fair game. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a public it's a public forum, and I think as well, like because it, yeah. it's it's. I think what you said earlier, I think, is quite interesting. That thing of a lot of people are discovering running and especially recently especially in in lockdown um yeah. a, a lot of people are discovering it for the first time and this, that's great like that's the main thing to underline is like the running community is growing and sports like ultra running and trail running are getting even more popular as a road races as a marathons like that's awesome but a lot of people's kind of port of call for information is is going to be Instagram accounts or whatever accounts that they they follow I think and I think sometimes like (laughs) one of them that you called out recently that was sort of doing chocolate down or something like complete complete nonsense I think you you kind of need to to sort of raise a flag and say like there's you know there's other perspectives out there don't believe everything that you say don't take it as rote like I feel like that's that's like an honest thing to be doing I think yeah and it's like very rarely it's it's never very rarely is it an individual i try not to make it like against an individual but it's no, more the no. ideas or the methods yeah so and again no i mean it's quite telling that i've never done i've never done any of that kind of stuff and it kind of come and, and got an argument out of i was it. gonna <laughs> say have you is it is it ever blown up is there, have there ever been like uh instagram kind of uh harsh words spoken like it like red-faced emojis sent to each other in, oh, in messages yeah. so, like sometimes like there's there was an issue with some there was some strength training on last month and it was <laughs> and it's 
he's thinking carefully. It's, it's, it's quite difficult because some people are genuine, genuinely think they might be in the right, but then rather than enter a conversation or debate about it, it would they would just kind of call the card of well, you shouldn't be doing it publicly or something like that. But yeah, sometimes people don't listen if you do it privately. So mm, yeah, <laughs> and it's I mean again. It, it's very rare that it's it's usually just fun about method, methodologies and things. And I, like I've got a really good network of close friends who are coaches, and a lot of us like to think, hopefully, that it's a mixture of. I like to think it's like science based, but with like real world application. I try and bridge that gap sometimes, and I've got people with a lot more experience and knowledge than me that I can kind of <laughs> lean on. But mm. th- I mean. There's no, there's no point in trying to have a voice if if you can't be heard, right? So I used to grumble about some of these things, but at the same time, if I can make a video and make people laugh at it and maybe make people question some of the stuff out there, then that's all I'm trying to do. It's yeah, man, absolutely, and you're and you're like you're doing something about it as well. I think everyone would like raise their hands and say that they're like guilty of sort of grumbling about things that they find irritating online but actually not doing anything to sort of change the the narrative and like regardless of of whether you agree or you disagree with the advice I think it's just it's always of value to put another perspective out there which may or may not turn someone in a different direction that may benefit them I think like that's 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 a good thing I think um and And the thing is we've got like we've all got biases and things like that I've I've been wrong in the past I think people are people on social media people so so scared to be wrong these days then they would rather just kind of argue different points than admit they were wrong or even look at being wrong so and failure is such an important part of running like fundamentally right like you've got yeah. to learn to deal with failure and you're not hitting your pbs or getting an injury or, or whatever else it is yeah because they will usually come thick and fast more than the successes sometimes mm. and there's no there's no shortage of information is there that's one thing we haven't got it's just finding the right information and that's what social media is kind of muddied the waters a little bit unless you kind of like you say I count myself lucky there's some people that I know and trust that aren't on social media though and they haven't got the time to mess around like I do sometimes so like how are how are just the normal runner or the new runner or someone who hasn't been around since before social media some short of picking up a textbook how, how do they know sometimes? So it, I don't yeah. blame them at all, yeah. No, absolutely. That, and that's the thing, absolutely, because I, I, I'm probably about a, two years younger than you, but I definitely didn't grow up with social media. I remember like Facebook arriving when I was just leaving yeah. university and it was like just starting in university. And it was like, oh, yeah, there's this thing called The Wall and you like yeah. post on it and stuff and it's like oh yeah. wow what is this wizardry but like i didn't sort of people back then yeah exactly <laughs> poke yeah oh, there's this there's this person that i like i'm gonna poke him what what are you on about like yeah. i d- didn't come of age come of age of that like i sort of i'm sure you probably have that worry as a as a parent like the younger generation growing up with all of this sort of uh social media like that's that's a that's a whole other minefield but like um i i feel like having not grown up with it like i'm slightly more um uh suspicious of of stuff that that comes out like i've recently just started working with a, a real old school coach and it's like a bit of paper that's stuck on the fridge and everything's written out in pencil and yeah. it's it's bliss it's so yeah. good there's just there's just no noise it's just like right monday what are we doing it's this and like that is so it's so refreshing yeah that's well, that's running. Like the, the principles of running don't really change. The principle of strength chain, tr- strength training, and things like that haven't changed that much from what we knew and known that kind of thing. Nutrition evolves all the time, so what you write today could be different tomorrow. Mm. So, so yeah, it's 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 always it's, it can be difficult. And then, like, it, I still remember having kind of years and years worth of runners' world shoved under the bed because <laughs> I wouldn't get rid of them which and then you and then you just come to the conclusion that yeah well it's there are there are 
other sources of information and things like this yeah so what's been your journey to sort of garnering your information then from that from that half marathon that was yeah. uh, a sort of disguised uh, way of 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 winning the hand of your now wife what was the journey from that to to ultra marathons like how how did you sort of progress and evolve as a runner well i it was it was quite selfish in the fact that I just thought I have to be better than this because again, like I thought I was okay half half decent at football. We used to do okay, but so why was I getting my bum handed to me <laughs> at this half marathon by a load of guys that are three times my age? I'm young, I'm fit. I wasn't because I, I was playing football three times a week, but I was also out drinking with the lads four nights a week, so mm. I wasn't. Um, yeah, so it was more like, how do I get a bit better? So did the usual things, bought a couple of books, um, some good, some not so good. And it what what did happen is I was I'd gone into a kind of a new career in Manchester and, and it was going okay, but at the same time I did have spare time. So I was reading back then I was just reading books. Um and God, that sounds them, so foreign. It's like reading books. I know, yeah. <laughs> oh, Even now, I can't remember. I was just trying to think when did I last physically read a book. I can't I remember. But what happened is in, in, in the space of, I'd say, two years, the running got I, – I never say that I got addicted because, again, I don't – it's more of an obsession, isn't it? I've got friends that have had real addictions, so I'm always wary of using that yeah. word. And it's it's not addiction. It's just I became a bit obsessed with it because, again, as you you're twenties, early twenties, you're quite resilient to injury just because of your age. It's not it's through dumb luck more than anything, I think. So I was running more, getting a bit quicker, getting get, making some progress. But I'd um, read a couple of ultra, ultra marathon books, and I was quite quickly wanted to be an ultra marathon runner because that kind of it wasn't born to run that I read first, but there was other bits out there about, and it was more based on movement technique and how to make yourself a better runner that way. So next thing I know, I find myself on a, on a course with uh, the guys at like before they started, actually it was like Vivo barefoot and oh, right. people called Lee Saxby, who, who was there at the start and um, doing courses through that. I did a, a yeah so it's more what I realized is quite quickly that I was pretty rubbish at school you know like one of these people annoyingly would just pass the exams but do the bare minimum hmm. wasn't interested at all but because this subject was something I was really interested in it was making me better and fitter all of a sudden I was just absorbing everything I could hmm. um, on all the forums on, on all the old forums that kind of thing and then, and then, yeah, I entered an ultra marathon, and I didn't do great, but I did a lot better than the half marathon. And then I entered another one and finished eighth in the space of like fast tracking it about two years. Wow. So That's it cool. was like all of a sudden, well, this is a I've finished eighth almost by accident, and then I just pushed on a little bit from there. But yeah, and it kind of coincided one day with essentially a redundancy um or the option for redundancy and my running was getting in the way of my work <laughs> so what was your work at the time what was the job that you were doing i'd gone into hairdressing oh right which, okay which is a separate story on its own i guess but yeah again i love talking i met this guy that was really successful at it ended up at places like tony and guy and nicky clark and things um but and, and loved it as a young lad but again, I'd met this girl that was going well. Running was going okay, so I couldn't. You, you can't have both lifestyles. How are you? How are you doing? Like the training for ultra, and then doing like a like eight hours or however long a shift was on your feet all day, like cutting people's hair. Like that must have been exhausting. Yeah, well, that's kind of it, isn't it? Like youth again. Now yeah. I have to go for my long run and then lie and watch Netflix if I can. But <laughs> you essentially training for an ultra by accident if you're just on your feet all day aren't you yeah of course like it's better than sat in the office and Mm. and yeah and it was that's that's all it was and within a few within yeah a few years later I I did take the redundancy and just because I was again I'd I'd read all these books I was 
learning. I'd been to London so many times with Vivo Barefoot. Into I never went too far and wasn't running around Manchester with no shoes on, but I did have up like Vivo shoes and learning about strength and mobility through that way rather than a gym environment. Mm. And um and then yeah, what I did is I took the took the quick payout and went straight. Literally, just thought I'm going to do as many certificates as I can, three or four months. So that was PT and some strength work. Um, yeah, and then went to work straight in the gym, and I'd gone from hairdressing to having like three or four months off to working in a gym as a as a self-employed personal trainer. Mm. The weekend before I started, I broke both elbows. How? Um, How did you do that? In the in the Snowden Mountain race, so, right. <laughs> so what? I'd done, I'm sorry, the weekend before it's probably two a week or two before, but I've still done that. gonna yeah, it's still gonna have an impact on being a personal trainer though, having exactly. two broken so day, elbows. Day one, I, day one, I was paying rent, and it was either well, don't go in and earn nothing, or I went in both arms in a sling, and I still managed to get one client on the first day. I mean. I wish I could meet them again because <laughs> what an absolute lunatic. <laughs> this guy with the two arms in a sling. Yeah, no, no, I definitely want to get trained by you. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, you could tell, tell I was just good at talking and, mm. and it was more, and I always, what I used to do is what I found, I used to hate this, go up to people on the treadmill or when they're in the middle of their sets and stuff. Spent all my time when I wasn't training in the cafe, just speaking to people and uh, learning about people, still doing these courses. And then that quickly went quite well because I was spending all my time in the cafe rather than loitering people in the gym. And yeah, and then again, you learn that I don't want to pay all this money to the gym. So I took it outdoors. Yeah. And I was, I'm a runner then, and people that are attracted to me as a PT a more like running kind of orientated and I'm nine stone not kind of non-offensive got no muscles so the women were coming towards me right. so it's that's how it kind of started as a running coach right and yeah I didn't really want to set out to help people with plans or anything but again what I was doing is taking all this movement knowledge that I'd done strength knowledge that I'd done and applying that to beginners rather than, you know, like the typical uh, club runner that's been doing it 25 years. Mm. It's brilliant and everything, but they don't want to, they don't want me at 25 telling them that they're running wrong or they need to do this, that kind of thing. I imagine Um, that's got to be a a difficult, there's, there's a couple of things there. I'd love to touch on like, it's got to be, that's got to be a difficult proposition as someone younger going into an older generation with a different mindset and proposing a new like methodology for how they do what it is that they enjoy like that's got to be a real delicate thing to negotiate kind of it, i mean it is but it oh, not if you're speaking to the right people right, right. so the, mainly i was and it, this wasn't i didn't set out to do this but i could absolutely probably help some club runners and teach them some new things. But at the same time, the way I spoke to people and the way I, I just thought people tick, it was it was weight loss crowd, really. Mm. Lots of women in their early 30s that were trying to get back into fitness. And then here's this guy who's saying, well, two out of my three sessions a week, because it was, then it was group training, that they weren't, they weren't even running kind of thing. So... Like what's the first thing that people are scared of or anxious of when they go to a new running club or even start running? It's the running part, I guess. Yeah. 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 Or, yeah. So, but I would literally, they wouldn't, they would run for 15 minutes at the end, but it would be, again, like say mobility, some strength work, teach them some technique. And again, I'm not like a, I don't pretend to know it all about that. It was just simple stuff that might help get mm. them moving. And then, and then they would run together and I would always run at the back. And then it kind of, that grew my first, like you call it like a running club. Right. Yeah. Right. And again, like there's another thing you mentioned as well, like and it's interesting just hearing your kind of, your story of kind of taking control of wanting to have your own thing and like gen- generating that. Because I imagine 
the whole thing of like kind of trying to get clients in a gym environment like that's kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier when everyone has like access to knowledge when you've kind of got to come in and be like hey do you want to like learn from me like that again must be a tricky negotiation but you also touched on um the barefoot thing now i find yeah. that fascinating and i am actually i i I am. I, I stand for barefoot. I do wear Vivos in my day to day. I don't run in them. I'm too scared of doing that. But I, I'm yeah. a big believer. It, well, I'm convinced that they definitely helped me with strengthening my foot after a really nasty bout of plantar fasciitis. Like I think yeah. there's there's a lot of, of of value in that. Is is that something that you like encourage people to do to sort of practice barefoot sort of footwear or 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 is it just strengthening? Do you think is the main no, sort of yeah, les- I mean- lesson? Yeah, I used to run some of the courses down at Vivo Barefoot and things, like some help out, but it was more, yeah. I mean, I got to a point, I got sold the dream a little bit about Barefoot because I had these feet that were kind of mangled together mm. from years of wearing football boots that were too small for me because my mm. mate would give them, he played for Liverpool and he was a size too small, but... <laughs> they were free but football boots right exactly yeah. yeah so I think that had something to do with the fact that my feet were mangled not my running style or anything right but um yeah like you say quickly with uh the strengthening of the feet and wet wearing barefoot or vivos all the time um I was lucky because I was out and about and I'm not sat behind a desk but yeah I would wear them all day every day because I'm like you I don't I don't ever run in them now, really. I used to run in them for some fun sessions or some grass sessions. But, um, yeah, I just think running is such a small part of most people's week. If they focused on outside of the running, then, yeah, it's it's definitely going to help. Have you, done, have you done a before and after picture of your feet? Have they spread out, like, since you've been wearing them, since the sort of mangled yeah, football yeah. foot? Yeah, they, they have. And I've gone up a few sizes, which I know some people say, and I'm, I, I, I'm still a believer that, I would all like. I would always. I'm just the right size now. Oh, really? So you've actually gone up a shoe size then since you've been wearing them? Well, yeah. When I first started running, I was wearing size like seven and a half football boots. I was probably an eight at least, and I wear a nine now in most running shoes. Oh. And yeah, and I, I could, and width is a. It's not an issue, but there's some brands that I can't wear just because of width. Um, because they've spread out so much god yeah i i I just think there's so much i I think there's a a a really strong argument for it i think i'm yeah i'm not so slightly terrified of the of the running aspect of it but we had steven sashin on the show who's the founder of zero shoes and he's like a a massive advocate for it and he's now like the fastest 55 year old american sprinter and all he does it in is is barefoot like he's a big believer in how it can translate to like incredible strength and, and, and power and stuff. I think it's, it's really fascinating. Like both sides of the debate are really, really interesting. So back to your story then. So you're, you're kind of, you've got a bit of a running group going, you're kind of taking on more and more clients. Like, so had you started your kind of formal training company now, or was that, was that percolating or is or, or did you kind of sort of launch that? Where, where are we no, roughly so, in the timeline? Yeah, I was, it was back then it was, a lo- it was local training groups, you'd call it, yeah. Right. And again, what I'd, what I quickly realised is part of my reason for, for leaving personal training in the gym, it's quite mentally tiring doing one-to-ones all day. Mm. And then later in the day, you'd get to one-to-one with people that didn't really want to be there. Neither of us want to be there. And I'm just – and the more I learn about personal training, I'm more of the opinion that I, you could pay me 200 quid an hour, for, but if you see me once a week – and I'm just counting some reps. What what am I going to change? Mm. So what I started doing, like I would be texting people or emailing them to do stuff around their training. And then I did that around the running as well. But once I got in front of groups, I realized I was much more comfortable. Yeah. So if half of them had had a bad day and it was a Monday night session, then yeah, I'd make it a bit more relaxed and I'd try and make them laugh or do something daft, mm. that kind of thing. And it was like, I've always been of the point of view for most people, you could have all the best sessions in the world, but if you're not doing it, it's it's pointless, right? So, Mm. so just being consistent and keep keeping them coming, basically keeping them at the sessions. um, That was my main kind of goal, Mm. (laughs) if I'm honest. And then 
yeah, it grew to, at one point we had three locations within the county kind of thing. One of, one of my good friends ran one of the sessions. We had about 180 members, paying members. And and I and I love running clubs as well, but I was just trying to offer something different. Mm. Um, so it was, yeah, people are paying me a monthly fee for, and there's lots of running groups around that are free. There was a reason for that. It didn't really go down well with some of the local clubs. I know it didn't. Oh, really? No, well, I used to offer free workshops or free just trying to help out and trying to get involved with them as well. But it always fell on deaf ears, I think. Interesting. Are we talking like local AC clubs, like that that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. And and again, like I'm a big believer that if you can get into a good club, local AC club, then that's fantastic. Mm. It just wasn't my experience. Um, Yeah, but I know a lot of great clubs, so I'm not. I'm not anti-club. Yeah, yeah, no, no, so not at all. On <laughs> <laughs> come, come to North Wales, jump in the car, rough yeah. you up. No, no, no. I think it's just about creating spaces that people feel comfortable in because, like, I, I'm a member of a club, but, um, and I've even said this to members of a club, like, I think sometimes some running clubs suffer from uh, not an image problem, but, like, a, a sort of... They don't always seem that uh, inviting, maybe, or they're sometimes slightly intimidating, I think. And like I was, for years and years and years, running around the local park, which contained my running club, trying to do sessions in this local park, dodging dogs and like dodging people. <laughs> where I, And I could see, I could literally see from my eyeline a 400-meter track and the club were training. And I was like, why, why am I not in there? Why am I not on the track? And it was partly because, and it was nothing to do with them as individuals, it was partly because I had this idea and perhaps they didn't present themselves in a way I thought it would be quite intimidating or I'd be too slow or I'd be sort of scoffed at if I couldn't keep up and stuff. So I think like a lot of clubs manage that really well. And as soon as I became a member of this club, my fears were immediately dispelled and they were lovely and welcoming and it's grown me immensely as a runner. But like, I think creating more opportunities for people to feel welcome in a group of other runners, regardless of whether it's an AC club or it's what you were doing or it's a run crew or it's a group of mates that meet every Sunday morning and just fuck about. Like, I think it's all good. Yeah, Yeah, it was... It was, it was just that, and I mean, I mean, you have to remember the majority of the people that were coming to me weren't, they weren't already runners, so, mm. and remember, I'm getting paid to run these sessions, like AC groups are majority volunteers and yeah. things, so if, if I see, if I know a new member's turned up and they're sat in the car, which would happen, like, can't tell you how many times I've been up at the car window and I'm and I'm talking them out of the car or really? saying hello and stuff or spending 20 minutes afterwards, that kind of thing. And, but that was, it was my business, wasn't it? It relied mm. on that. And, and so I could, I could spend that extra time doing that kind of stuff. It's just, it's just a different way of doing things. Yeah. And is that, I feel like, is that been, was that that sort of thing of that kind of one-to-one connection? Was that the kind of thing you were fostering when you were in the gym and you were hanging out in the cafe and you were talking to people and sort of building those relationships? Was that like a development of that kind of practice? I think so. Yeah. And and again, I was, I've always been, yeah, I've been quite interested in what I guess people call it in mindset and self-development and things like this. I've had my own personal coach for 10 years on that kind of side of things. Okay. So a lot of what I teach and coach it doesn't come from certificates and things like that. It's more, it's more some experiences I've had as you, yeah, you'd call them a mentor, I guess, in the mindset and the way people think and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and again, it's not that I started out wanting to push that on people. I, I was always, it was more for myself, but as I get a bit older and as, especially like going into the first lockdown and when COVID arrived, it was massive for our club and then that's when I kind of stepped up a little bit and gave them some trainings that I'd done and it and that kind of thing goes really well but I think I've always just been just want been interested in the person and and you can only do that if it's your business I guess Mm. yeah so I'm not a running coach that on Instagram I'm a running coach but I'm also working 60 hours for the council yeah it's like I get up 
I'm a running coach and I go to bed and I'm still doing it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's your, it's, yeah. It's, your, it's your business. It's your living. It's like it's like who you are, like fundamentally. It's interesting, that mindset thing. What is it about that mindset training that sort of fascinates you? What is it about that that interests you? I think more so because, well, when I first started it, I'll be honest, it was he, the guy helping me it was like business and business mindset. I was absolutely clueless with business. But what I realized is I thought, well, I'm quite good with people. So I just need some steering in the right direction. And I'm already kind of starting from scratch with with just not knowing anything about business. And I don't mm. want to be... I'll be honest. I didn't. There's. I didn't want to be the fifty-year-old personal trainer, so like still having to do one-to-one sessions through the winter. You yeah, know, it was like this had to be a long-term kind of business goal. And the only thing that I think I've ever, ever really been disciplined at w- was running. So I never need to rely on like motivation or willpower to get up and go for my run. It's just since I've started running, I've run more if I could. And it's, there's never been times that I don't run. And mm. if I'm not injured or not sick and I'm running, that's like the anchor for everything else. But that's not the case for everyone. And it's not the case for me in other areas of my life. Like before running, I was all over the place. So I just wanted to learn why why that was, why, how I can apply it maybe to other areas of my life. And just essentially... <laughs> don't burn it all to the ground in five years time that kind of thing mm. that's yeah. I, I find that it, uh, fascinating that thing of when you find something in your life that does uh, elicit the response that you're talking about in terms of like well okay i'm running i'm committed like i'll mm. happily get up at 5 a.m and run when it's like minus two outside but like i struggle to have that same level of commitment in other avenues of my life like yeah. What is part of that process of like getting that laser focus and turning it to something that perhaps prior to that wasn't something that you would have been committed about, be it, I don't know, a, 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 maybe giving something up or, or starting a new hobby or starting a new business? Like what's the process that you found that like allows that, that focus to kind of be transplanted onto something else, if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, before I did any of that, I just used to think that either people were just more motivated than me or they had more willpower and stuff like this. Mm. And, and when it came to running, I realized that it it really wasn't. It was more that I just, it was more like a habit-based thing. Once I'd got into the habit of running every day, and this was back to the just looking at the clock out the door, and it, it was a habit because I would leave at the same day, sorry, at the same time every day, and it got to the point where I could walk back in the door without a watch and I would be on the hour mm. almost, yeah, within seconds. So it was it was building these habits into into your life, I guess. That wasn't really a problem with running. And and again, it was like I use, I say to everyone, there's there's something in your life that you're that, that you've done really well at in the past or you get great results at. Yeah. It might just be a task that you don't even like doing at work but you've become amazing at it Mm. it's not based on having the motivation or the willpower every day because it just doesn't happen it's it's based on habits usually you've built a habit it's like i'm sure you're i'm sure you're pretty good at brushing your teeth right yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah like hopefully i am as well but i'm not motivated or got the willpower to do it every day it's just Mm. a habit yeah and if i don't do that habit then I'm going to have teeth like a burnt down fence. So there's a payoff. Yeah. (laughs) And it's, so, and again, I'm not, the only kind of things I'm good at is running, talking about running. I'm quite, (laughs) that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that I can go into a business and tell you how to do your job. It's just for me, what worked was building a habit and, and, and once it's a habit, it doesn't really, doesn't really leave me. Hmm. Mm. and what was that it's so true and like if, if something can become as like perfunctory as brushing your teeth because no one mm. i think a, a lot of people i think i'd like to think everyone listening to this would like raise their hands and say i would never leave the house without brushing my teeth yeah. I, I hope so hey, hey if you're camping or you're at a festival then uh, all right i'll give you a free pass but i think i yeah, think the majority maybe. of people people would um 
but it's interesting that thing isn't it of like that's that's when something's truly bedded in when it's something that you would like you'd never dream of not doing like that's the kind yeah. of that's the kind of sweet spot like I, I, what's that process like when you're starting your own business though like is that is it also shot through with a level of stress of like I've got to make this work because if I don't, I, 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 I'm, how am I going to make money? How am I going to sort of provide? Like, how not do you really. balance the two or not? No. no. Okay. It's, for, for me, again, quite quickly working with that, with my mentor when it came to mindset and I'd already been running for X amount of time and it was like, right, let's just apply that principle. So like these days it's, I post something on social media every day. That is a habit. I write an email to my email list every day. That's a habit. I go for my run every single day. That's a habit. So I've just got a series of little habits that don't actually mean much. But when you put them together, you have this residual effect of 10 years later, I've got a pretty successful business out of it. But Mm. go back to the beginning and when I just didn't have a business, it was like every day I was taking flyers around local houses. Every day I was going to where people are running and just handing them out kind of thing. Yeah? When I had zero clients, every day I would write a blog post that no one would read. Every day I would go for my run and that would make me feel better. So it didn't matter that I didn't have any money and I didn't mm. have the responsibilities then. But over time you get this residual kind of success, hopefully. And it's not one big kind of, it's not one big effort then, yeah. It's not, a, it's not a scary goal. It's just a series of small habits that I've got that I do every day. And that turns into the business, I guess. I love that. Guys, so inspiring. It's really, it's, it's great. It's, it's, it's great when it's broken down like that, when someone can break it down about their own process of breaking something down. Do you know what I mean? Mm. To make something more kind of surmountable. It's just really, it's really inspiring to hear and to sort of dovetail all the way back to what we first started talking about. What's going to be your mindset going into Seville on the 20th of of February? What's going to be going through your head when you tell that line? Uh, I don't know, you know, like it's, I always find it's different when it's a marathon compared to when I'm in ultra marathon. And it's, that's just due to the time, I guess, and the effort level. I think with this one, like I'm pretty, it's it's far enough out for me to not really know of a target time, mm. but more than if I was in an ultra marathon, I will probably take a bit of a risk this time because I don't see myself as a competitive marathon runner. So, and I don't mean I'm going to go and run the first half in kind of an hour and five minutes or anything. <laughs> but what I mean is, I'm gonna, glory. yeah, I'm just going to, I can like, I can quickly, I'll know what kind of where I'm at potentially. Mm. And I'm going to really push myself to be at the top end of that within my kind of sensible rules of doing so. Yeah. Nice. Well, that's re- really exciting. Well, you know, I, I don't know whether I'll be sort of alongside you. I'll probably be maybe about 10 minutes behind you, but um, that's that's really exciting. And I'll definitely be sort of taking on board a lot of the stuff that we've we've spoken about today. Just before uh, I wrap it up with you, though, Gary, there's there's two things I'm quite interested in exploring kind of failures as runners and myths as well yeah. as runners so normally i have like a little quick fire sort of section at the end of the podcast so i've got two quick fire questions just to to wrap sure. up our chat and then we go on to enjoying the christmas celebrations we're like knocking on the door of christmas eve now so it's uh yeah. it's time for it's time for chocolate uh, and not vegan chocolate um so <laughs> what has been your biggest failure as an athlete and what has it taught you oh Biggest failure. Mm. I think my biggest failure was my first second place in a in a twenty four hour event, mm. which might sound like it's one of these like humble brag things, but what had happened? It I, I know it's meant to be a quick. No, <laughs> no, no. You your answer can be as expansive as as yeah, you like. My was, questions quick fire, but you can take as long was, as you like. I was quite naive at the distance and the time and I'd found myself leading this race for 20 hours out of the 24 and then I'd essentially talked myself out of winning so second was getting a bit closer lap by lap and my knee hurt a little bit and knowing what I know now I was just desperate for him to go past me and kind of admit defeat mm. if the the next year when I went past when I went back to that race 
I had I'd I'd come to that conclusion. I'd unpacked it all, and I knew that I'd let I'd let it happen, and I'd basically shit myself at the thought of winning this race. I think, and I didn't want I didn't have the grit to kind of finish it off. So the second time I did win it, and it was it was harder than the first time. I made it harder, but so that kind of big failure led into the success. Yeah. Mm, that's a great story. I love that. that. The sort of fear of what it might be to actually take it on and win. That's yeah. God, the... Yeah. I mean, I told myself I, my knee hurt and I couldn't mm. go any further, but when I was truly honest with myself afterwards, I knew that I'd given it up and it took me a long time to admit it to other people as well. So, yeah. <laughs> well, th- well, that's, thank you for your honesty and, and candor. It's interesting, isn't it? When we peel away at the sort of surface excuses, because everyone has always got a list of excuses after every race or reasons like as to why yeah. it didn't go the way yeah. that they wanted it to. But it's always interesting to peel away at what that surface issue is. It was a niggle. My ankle was hurting. I had a blister or whatever it is. And what that could ultimately reveal about a person is always really, really interesting. Yeah, I just didn't like the discomfort and as soon as that's what usually a dnf is like Mm. i've been in discomfort for a long period of time and as soon as i'd gone from first place to second place i didn't have that discomfort anymore because the pressure kind of gone and i admitted defeat but yeah it was like taking away that discomfort level Love it. That's great. That's great. Okay. Final quick fire. Well, it doesn't have to be quick fire. <laughs> yeah, big, yeah, fi- hey, fi- I'm, it's fine. I ain't going anywhere. Um, is there uh, a myth within the running world or within the ultra running world that you would like to debunk and say that it isn't a myth? It's, it's nonsense. Um, I don't know how many are a hundred percent kind of nonsense. Yeah. Because yeah. But one thing I one thing I don't enjoy is when people talk. One of them maybe would be about junk miles and things like this. Mm-hmm. So and for people miles, listening, what what's the sort of dictionary definition of junk miles? If people listening aren't sure what junk miles are, I, that's just it. Okay, <laughs> I, I struggle with it, yeah, because ninety nine percent of the people I talk I hear talk about junk miles would do far better at running if they did some actual more miles Mm. it's like the like volume of training and i'm not talking about someone who's doing 120 miles a week yeah then i think junk miles you can have junk miles when you're an elite athlete yeah and you you could best use your time elsewhere or you're overtraining or anything like that Mm. i'm talking about the majority of my audience that may talk about junk miles it's not applicable yeah they should just <laughs> most people will do like you know when you see secrets of running the 5k and stuff like this mm. sometimes it's just running a little bit more finding some time into your week that you can run a bit more and mm. it's not about going crazy like i'm talking about up the same progression overload and being specific all that kind of stuff but yeah junk miles just it's it's not the term itself it's just the way it's used Mm. But you can say that for a lot of things. I, I think I'm a big fan of trying to maximize people's running if they want to be a runner. Yeah. If you're running two sessions a week and you're at CrossFit five sessions a week, you're a CrossFitter, right? You're not a yeah. runner. And that's fine. But don't tell me that if you had a third session it's junk miles kind of thing yeah i think i, I think you're right and i think that w- the, the word in particular junk because it's that connotation with like junk food and stuff that's like inherently bad for you i think is slightly yeah mis- misleading i think yeah if you're doing 120 130 okay go easy but like i think yeah i think there's there's always um there's always value in perhaps maybe doing an extra run but i think the main thing is 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 speaking to someone and getting kind of professional advice based on your ability and where you're at and what you're kind of hoping to achieve as well yeah or or not even that just again like i'm probably doing myself out of business but (laughs) hey no plug (laughs) plug if you want everyone should be going looking for a coach either yeah it's yeah there are some good ones out there but at the same time like I really value the probably five or six years before I didn't have a coach and I was naive and just making all the mistakes so Mm. yeah let's just go out there and learn don't assume that you can or you need to apply everything that everyone's saying on Instagram straight away it's so I can imagine it's so overwhelming for people Mm. and it wasn't when I started so it doesn't have to be 
yeah that, that's that's a lovely point i think like yeah go go and explore like get get off the get off the phone and sort of find out what works for you but if you are looking for a professional coach with with lots of expertise gary is available and i'll link to uh i'll link to your the is it what's your website again remind me your website uh, house running club house, house running club i'll link to that in today's show notes so if people are interested in in sort of maybe taking that next step in their running journey then uh, then give gary uh, give gary a shout um gary brilliant thank you so much for for coming on the big run and offering up all of that advice best of luck for seville i will yeah I'll hopefully see you there we do manage if we are allowed to go to spain fingers yeah, crossed yeah. that still happens but uh, yeah, yeah let me know beforehand yeah yeah but yeah. thank you so much for coming on and being such a brilliant guest on the big run thank you thank you Big thank you to Gary for coming on the show. Best of luck for Seville. Hopefully see you there. I'll be putting some links to House Running in today's show notes if you want to check out Gary's coaching. I hope the runs are going well and uh, I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.